Section 10 of A Year with the Saints, translated by a member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, recording by Maria Therese. 16. It is a matter of great importance to make our conversation agreeable. To do so, it is necessary to appear humble, patient, respectful, cordial, yielding in all lawful things, and to all. Above all, we must avoid contradicting the opinion of any one, unless there should be an evident necessity for it. In that case, it should be done with all possible mildness, and with the greatest tact, without outraging the feelings of the other party. In this way, contests will be avoided, which produce only bitterness, and which ordinarily spring rather from attachment to our own opinion, than from love for truth. Believe me, that as there are no dispositions more inimical to human society than those which are given to contradiction, so there is not a person more generally loved than he who contradicts no one. St. Francis de Sales Father Lambert Costiux of the Congregation of the Mission showed to all great civility and respect, which were always accompanied with remarkable sweetness and cordiality, though by nature he was inclined to rigor. His countenance was always cheerful, and his words courteous, and such as could give no one offense. By these pleasant manners he soon won hearts, so that all who talked with him went away content and happy, and greatly pleased with his affability to all, and with the Christian condescension with which he yielded to their sentiments and opinions. St. Vincent de Paul was never heard to contend or dispute about indifferent things, but took the word of others with all facility, and adapted himself to their views. We read of St. John Birchman's that he never quarreled with anyone. For this reason, all his companions not only loved him tenderly, but allowed themselves to be admonished and ruled by him, as if he had authority over them. 17. Let us strive to be amiable, sweet, and humble with all, but especially with those whom God has placed near us, such as our servants. And let us not be of those who seem angels abroad, but demons at home. St. Francis de Sales This blessed saint treated everyone in his house with great kindness, even the servants, whom he never used roughly either in word or deed. His orders to them were given in the form of requests. He always courteously returned their salutations. He never complained of their mistakes in preparing his apartments or his food. He was most thoughtful in giving directions, sparing them inconvenience as much as he could. When he could not avoid blaming them, he did it with so much kindness and consideration that they were ashamed, and were sure to amend. For mildness has such a charm that every one surrenders to it. An incident that occurred one evening may serve as an example. A marquis, who had visited him on some important business, remained until it had grown quite dark. The bishop's servants, in the meantime, trusting their work to one another, not only left their master without attendance, but even without a light so that when the marquis was ready to go, the bishop was obliged to lead him by the hand through the corridor and across the hall. When they reached the door, they found the servants amusing themselves with those the marquis had brought. After the guests had departed, the saint said very quietly to his valet, My friend, two farthings worth of candle would have done us much credit tonight. Such were the corrections given by this mild prelate, of whom Monsignor de Belli, testifies that there was never a master kinder to his servants or more beloved by them. St. Vincent de Paul always showed an admirable gentleness to all the members of his congregation. He met them with a kind and cheerful countenance, giving them frequent marks of fatherly love and cordiality, 
especially when he was sending them to a mission or on a long journey. When they returned, he spoke to them with so much affability and embraced them with so much cordiality that he completely won their hearts, so that one of them said, When I am going on a journey or returning from one, I feel perfumed with the embrace and the welcome which he truly bestows on me. His words were so full of spiritual unction and efficacy that he could have everything done that he wished, without an effort on his part. His manner was the same when they went to him on their own personal concerns. He listened with courtesy and cordiality, and never gave the least sign of impatience, even if he was engaged in important and urgent business. This courtesy was shown in a special manner towards the lay brothers. One of them went to him on a certain occasion to complain of harsh treatment he had received from an official in the house. He was welcomed with the greatest cordiality, and invited to come again in any similar case, so that all bitterness was banished from his heart, and he went away consoled and edified to find that he had so good a father. One of his priests came to him one day, full of trouble, resolved to abandon his vocation and return to his own country. The saint listened to him and then said, Well, father, when do you go? Do you wish to travel on foot or on horseback? But the priest, surprised and edified by such meekness, was immediately free from the temptation, and proclaimed that his superior was a saint. The conduct of the Empress Leonora was the same. Her manner of giving orders was so kind and so humble that her household could not ask for a mistress with less air of control and dominion. Her commands almost always took the form of requests, which caused the women in her service so much confusion that they often entreated her to speak to them like a mistress, as she had the right to do. But she replied, I approve and praise your sentiments, but I know myself to be far different from what I seem to you, and I think myself more worthy to serve than to command. If anything happened to fall when she was working with them, she was always the first to stoop and pick it up. However great were the faults and errors committed by those in her service, she always had reasons and excuses ready to screen them. She took all possible pains not to displease anyone, and not to cause any jealousies or suspicions to arise among them. Once she entrusted a thing, by mistake, to the chief tiring woman, instead of the principal lady-in-waiting. A distraction, which she had in prayer, brought this air to her recollection, and rising from her knees, she went on the instant to apologize to the lady, that she might not consider herself overlooked and feel the slight. We read of St. Jane Francis de Chantal, that while she was still in the world, she showed the greatest affability and charity towards all who served her. She did not scold them, as many do, nor reprove them for every little fault, but bore with them with great patience and humility, without ever being weary of helping them to reform, until God gave her the consolation of seeing their amendment. As a proof of this, she never dismissed from her house more than two servants. These were quite incorrigible, but all the rest remained as long as they chose, and were always well sheltered, clothed, and taken care of. Once, when the baron, her husband, was very angry with the servant, and she was trying to pacify him, he said to her, It is true that I am too impulsive, but you are too good. 18. Resist your impatience faithfully, practicing not only with reason, but even against reason, holy courtesy and sweetness to all, but especially to those who weary you most. St. Francis de Sales St. Francis himself excelled in this. We read in his life that a poor lawyer often visited him in regard to trifling matters of business, 
and that the saint always listened to him with great courtesy and without any sign of weariness, so that many wondered how a prelate, who had so many important occupations, could listen quietly to stupid trifles which might weary even an idle man. St. Vincent de Paul furnishes another example. It often happened that he was obliged to repeat the same thing many times, either because people did not understand him or forgot what they had heard. But he was always calm and showed neither anger nor weariness, nor did he send them away. He welcomed them with a cheerful countenance and with great affability, though they might not feel discouraged or slighted. And when he was in company with anyone of high rank, if he saw them coming, he rose and went to speak to them in private, repeating the same thing always with civility. One of them testified that he made him repeat the same thing five times in succession, when he was engaged, too, with persons of high rank, yet he never gave the least sign of impatience, repeating it the last time with the same quiet and calmness as he did at first, and showing in his face pleasure rather than dissatisfaction. 19. The highest degree of meekness consists in seeing, serving, honoring, and treating amiably, on occasion, those who are not to our taste, and who show themselves unfriendly, ungrateful, and troublesome to us. St. Francis de Sales This holy bishop was at one time laboring for the conversion of a heretical woman, quite advanced in years, who, for a long time, came to him every day with new doubts. He listened to her with great amiability, and without ever showing any weariness, though he could see that he gained nothing. But the woman did not grow tired of knocking at his door three or four times a day, so much was she attracted by his gentle demeanor. Finally, she said that she had no other difficulty except in regard to the celibacy of the clergy. The saint replied to this that it was necessary for them, in order that, being free from the care of a family, they might serve the people, and that indeed it would have been difficult for him to talk with her so often if he had a wife and children to take care of. This reason was more convincing to her than all the arguments of theologians, and she was converted. When St. Jane Frances de Chantel was living in the house of her father-in-law, he endeavored by the most obliging and gentle manners to win over an insolent servant who was there, and who behaved as if she herself were the mistress of the house. She tried to please her in all she thought most to her taste, and even went so far as to wash and dress, instruct and take care of her children like her own. She reproved the servants also if they showed any contempt for her. This went on for seven years, the servant growing all the time more haughty and presumptuous. When anyone told the saint that she was losing her time in trying to gain over such a woman by civil and gentle methods, she answered, that would be true if I had not others besides her in view. Did not our Lord say that all we do for the poor, whom he commands so specially to us, he will consider as done to himself? With God nothing is lost, and the less gratitude we receive from men, the more account will God make of what we do to them for his sake. To another who said that at her father-in-law's death this servant ought to be thrown into a ditch, she answered, No, I would take up her defense myself. If God makes use of her that I may have a cross to bear, why should I wish her ill? Another tried to show her how unsuitable it was that the control of the household should be in the hands of a servant. But she replied, God ordains it thus for my advantage, that I may have all my time for works of charity. To the father-in-law, who permitted this, she showed every mark of deference and special respect, and when she left the world, she recommended him warmly to a priest 
requesting him to be present at his death. Father John Leonardi was also remarkable for this trait. For the space of forty years he bore persecutions and trials from all kinds of people, yet he never let slip a word of aversion, anger, resentment, or ill-feeling towards them, but always tried to do them good and to help them by word and act. He constantly prayed for them, excused them, defended them, and treated each of them as he would one of his dearest friends. Though he knew that some monks of a certain order, to which he had been sent as inspector, by commission of the apostolic see, being impatient of the regular discipline he had restored, were plotting and writing to the sacred congregation against him, he yet showed no resentment and took no steps to defend himself. He behaved, to these abbots, on the contrary, with charity and courtesy, as if they were his intimate friends, and when some of them rudely assailed him by word and act, he passed the matter over lightly and gently, correcting them mildly, or giving them some moderate penance, when it was necessary, as he said, to satisfy his own conscience. But he never mentioned what had been done against himself personally, either in writing to the sacred congregation, in the general chapters, nor on any occasion that offered itself. When he was walking one day in Lucca, he met one of these monks, who, after loading him with harsh and abusive epithets, without any resistance on his part, struck him a heavy blow on one cheek. The servant of God, without any anger, turned the other cheek, as if to receive a second blow. But the assailant, abashed at this, turned his back and went away. Then Father John, glad to see himself reckoned worthy to suffer something for the love of his God, went home, and for many days prayed for this misguided man as a special benefactor. 20. Beware of becoming vexed or impatient at the faults of others, for it would be folly when you see a man falling into a ditch to throw yourself into another to no purpose. St. Bonaventura Cardinal Cesarini, a man of most gentle disposition, having been told that the mule he usually rode was lost through the neglect of a servant, sent for him, but when he asked him about the matter, the man replied very rudely. The cardinal was silent at first, but when the servant continued his impertinence, he turned to the bystanders and said, do not wonder at my silence, for I thought it best to suppress my anger and give reason time to gain control over passion, lest I should fall myself into a fault by trying to correct the fault of another. A reckless youth was once brought to St. Francis's sales that the saint might give him a private correction, but instead of rigor he showed extreme gentleness with him. Seeing his obstinacy, he shed bitter tears, saying that this young man would come to a bad end as indeed happened, for he was killed in a duel. When St. Francis was afterwards blamed for being too mild on this occasion, he answered, What would you have me do? I tried as well as I could to arm myself with an anger that should not be sinful, and therefore I took my heart in both hands, but I had not strength to fling it in his face, and then, to tell the truth, I feared to lose that little stock of mildness, which I have labored for twenty-two years to collect, like dew in the vase of my heart. The bees have been many years in gathering the honey, which a man swallows at a draught. Besides, what is the use of speaking to one who does not listen? That foolish youth was not capable of correction, for he was not master of his own judgment. So I could not have helped him, and might have injured myself, like those who are drowned with shipwrecked sailors, whom they are trying to rescue. Charity ought to be judicious and prudent." 
21. You should never be displeased at the sight of your own imperfections, except with a displeasure, humble, tranquil, and peaceful, not excited and angry, for this bitter kind does more harm than good. St. Francis de Sales St. Francis practiced this in his own case. He said one day, For myself, if I had, for example, a great desire not to fall into the vice of vanity, and yet fell very deeply into it, I should not wish to reproach myself in this manner. Are you not a wretch, an abomination, for having allowed yourself to be conquered by this vice, after so many resolutions? Die of shame, do not raise your eyes to heaven, bold, disloyal traitor to God or with similar words, but I would prefer to correct it quietly and in a compassionate way, saying, Come now, my poor heart, here we are fallen again into the ditch which we have so many times resolved to avoid. Ah, let us rise up and leave it once for all. Let us have recourse to the mercy of God and hope in it, for it will aid us to be more constant in future, and in the meantime let us return to the road of humility. Courage, let us rise above ourselves, for God will help us, and we shall advance. Upon this reproach I would found a firm and solid resolution not to fall again into the air, and to apply suitable remedies. St. Vincent de Paul never felt anger or bitterness against himself on account of his defects, and often said that vice should be hated and virtue loved, not because the former displeases us and the latter pleases us, but only for love of God, who hates vice and loves virtue, and thus the pain felt for a defect will have something in it sweet and tranquil. St. Aloysius Gonzaga was not discouraged when he committed faults, but only turned his glance upon his own heart and said, Terra dedi fructum meum, the earth has yielded its fruit. 22. If one wishes to acquire liberty of spirit and not always walk in darkness, he should feel no trouble in regard to aridities, disquiets, distractions, or involuntary thoughts. St. Teresa The saint just mentioned practiced this herself. What vexations and trials, internal and external, from her religious and from others, and from Satan himself, has she not to suffer in her life? Yet, in so many and various adversities, she maintained herself always firm and immovable, like a rock beaten by the waves of the sea, without taking any of these things to heart. In this way she enjoyed a freedom of spirit little less than angelic. We read the same with St. Francis de Sales, who was never disquieted by whatever happened to him, however adverse it might be. To a lady who had asked his advice upon this subject, he wrote thus, You would prefer to see yourself without defects and without temptations, rather than in the midst of imperfections and afflictions. I would like it too, and we shall be so in paradise. But the disquiet which you feel at not being able to arrive at this stage of perfection in this life makes you doubt whether your hatred of sin be good. No, it is not pure, for it disquiets you. Hate your imperfections, then, because they are imperfections, and love them because they make you know your nothingness, and give to you an opportunity to exercise yourself in virtue, and to God to show his mercy towards you. 23. Be very mild and very gracious in the midst of your exterior occupations, for everyone expects this good example from you. St. Francis de Sales It is said of this saint that amid all his activity he preserved a countenance mild, tranquil, and peaceful, and that he was never known to lose the least jot of his cheerfulness and serenity 
in whatever business he was engaged. The same is so to St. Vincent de Paul. He never lost his tranquillity of mind in the midst of affairs, however numerous or troublesome they might be, and it was wonderful to see how he received all persons with the same serenity of countenance, and satisfied their demands, whatever their rank might be, with great courtesy and without ever giving a sign of weariness or vexation at their importunity. It is related of the abbot David that for a period of forty-five years, which he passed in the monastery, he was never seen in a passion, nor showing any signs of perturbation. But, in whatever he was engaged, his countenance bore a look of imperturbable serenity and tranquillity, as if he were an angel among men. He must, notwithstanding, have been often placed in trying positions, as he was superior over one hundred and fifty monks, some of whom could not have failed to be troublesome and unmanageable, and he must also have had many difficult business affairs to conduct. This trait of his character is reported by Theodoret, who says that he not only heard of it from others, but observed it himself in the course of a week's visit. The process of canonization of St. Thomas Aquinas states that he was never seen angry or even disturbed, but that at all times and in all occupations he retained serenity and cheerfulness of countenance to such a degree that those connected with him experienced consolation and a certain spiritual joy by merely looking at him. St. Athanasius writes of St. Anthony that he always appeared so joyful that every day seemed like Easter with him, and that a stranger coming to see him could pick him out from a multitude of monks by the gladness and benignity which shone upon his countenance. And the same writer adds that this joy was occasioned by the great hope which he had of paradise, for he had his mind always fixed on the eternal things above, of which he could not think without rejoicing. 24. Know and be assured that all those thoughts which give disquiet and agitation of mind are not in any wise from God, who is the Prince of Peace, but they always proceed either from the devil, or from self-love, or from the esteem which we have of ourselves. These are the three fountains from which all our perturbation springs. Therefore, when thoughts of such a nature come to us, we ought to reject them at once, and make no account of them. St. Francis de Sales here is the reason why this saint was never seen perturbed or disquieted. It was because he scorned the temptations of the devil, and was humble in heart, and a sworn enemy to self-love. When the abbot Isaac was asked by another monk why the devils feared him so much, he replied, At the time I entered religion, I made a resolution never to let an impatient act or angry word escape me, and, by the grace of God, I have never broken it. Yet God knows how many temptations and trying circumstances he had met. 25. Humble mildness is the virtue of virtues which our Lord has recommended to us, and therefore we ought to practice it everywhere and always. Evil is to be shunned, but peaceably. Good is to be done, but with suavidity. Take this for your rule. Do what you see can be done with charity, and what cannot be done without disturbance. Leave undone. In short, peace and tranquillity of heart ought to be uppermost in all our actions, as olive oil floats above all liquors. St. Francis de Sales We read of this saint that he enjoyed an imperturbable peace of heart. He said to himself one day, What is there that can possibly disturb our peace? If all the world were in confusion, I should not be troubled. For what is all the world worth in comparison with peace of heart? His acts, too, corresponded to his words. 
though he had the reform of the monasteries much at heart he never used his authority to carry it out knowing well that what is done by force is not lasting so he preferred to fail in his plans rather than to execute them by violence and waited until time or rather until god should work those changes in hearts that are above the power of any creature it was st vincent de paul's maxim that though one ought to hold firmly to the end proposed in good undertakings it was equally suitable to employ all possible amiability and sweetness in the means ordained to that end for this is an imitation of the divine wisdom which though it reaches its end strongly yet disposes sweetly the means that lead to them twenty six if it be possible never yield to anger nor admit any pretext for opening to it the door of your heart for should it once enter there it will not be in your power to expel it when you please or ever to control it if you see that through your weakness it has gained a foothold in your spirit instantly gather all your forces to re-establish peace and tranquillity but this must be done quietly and never violently for it is a matter of much importance not to irritate the wound st francis de sales the same saint employed in his own conduct this principle of applying self-control where it could be useful without concerning himself with what was involuntary as he says in these words have i made for example a resolution to acquire mildness very well now let anger make a chaos of my heart let my brain be all on fire let my blood boil like a seething cauldron i make no account of all this meanwhile i do not cease to be mild in all such ways as are possible and i silence and choke all the reasons that nature would offer in justification of this passion it once happened that one of his relatives aggrieved by something which he thought this holy man had done went to his house and loaded him with insults and threats the saint who was entirely innocent sought to undeceive him and tried to pacify him with great mildness and courtesy but the gentleman overcome by anger would listen to nothing and went on abusing and insulting him until he finally went away still stormy and full of ill-will then the saint turning to a religious who was present and was much astonished at his patience said to him father it was not desirable to exasperate this good man still more by showing him his rashness he will know it well some day and will repent of it and so he did for a few days after he came to ask pardon it is said that the patience of st francis was never known to waver nor was his heart ever known to cherish resentment against any one from this it clearly appears that this holy virtue, which shone so remarkably in him, did not result, as many believe, from a disposition all sweetness by nature, but from the great and continual violence he had done to himself. On the contrary, he was of a bilious temperament, and confessed of himself that he had taken the greatest pains to conquer it, and that he had laboured at this for twenty-two years with great constancy and courage. This was clearly shown after his death, for when his body was opened, there was nothing found in the gallbladder but three hundred grains of sand which was a manifest proof of his innumerable struggles to repress the emotions of anger such was the case of many other saints in whose lives we read that they were never seen to give way to anger but that even on the most exciting occasions they always showed the same tranquillity of countenance and serenity of soul among these were saint anthony saint ephraim saint thomas aquinas saint vincent de paul and others especially the glorious st philip neri who would sometimes put out an appearance of severity to exercise his novices in humility then as soon as they were gone he would turn to any who might be present and say 
did i not seem to be in a passion and instantly resume his previous serenity of expression twenty seven the remedies against anger are one to forestall its movements if possible or at least to cast them aside quickly by turning the thoughts to something else two in imitation of the apostles when they saw the sea raging to have recourse to god whose office it is to give peace to the heart three during the heat of passion not to speak nor take any actions as to the matter in question four to strive to perform acts of kindness and humility towards the person against whom one is incensed especially in reparation for any of a contrary nature st francis de sales this good saint was often wrongfully assailed by others with insulting words to avoid yielding to anger in such cases he would sometimes think of some good quality they possessed to excite a sentiment of love for them or again he would be silent and let them talk if he had tried sweetness and courtesy in vain to a gentleman who had been an astonished witness of his heroic patience he once said you see i have made a compact with my tongue that when anything is said against me that may excite me to anger it will beware of uttering a word if st vincent de paul was at any time moved to anger he abstained from speaking and from acting and above all he never resolved upon anything until he felt that his passion had subsided he often said that actions performed under excitement may appear good but can never be perfect as they are not fully directed by reason which is then perturbed and obscured and that in spite of all the ebullitions of anger and all imaginable pretexts of zeal we should speak only soft and courteous words that we may gain our neighbours to god therefore while the emotion lasted he made every effort to hinder any trace of it from appearing on his countenance and if on rare occasions there escaped him any word or gesture which might indicate impatience or severity he immediately asked pardon one day he spoke with a great deal of decision to a lay brother who had excused himself under various pretexts for giving lodgings to a stranger though he had done this with the best intention and the brother recognized his error he yet humbled himself for it that same evening and wished to kiss the lay brother's feet another time he feared that he had offended a lay brother by telling him to have patience and wait a little for the solution of certain doubts that he had proposed to him in this uncertainty he would not say mass until he had asked his pardon when the venerable monsignor de palafox felt his emotions of anger or excessive zeal springing up in his mind while he was giving a reproof he would instantly raise his heart to god and say o lord hold fast in this tempest the rudder of my reason that i may not transgress thy holy will in anything a great philosopher gave augustus caesar this advice when you feel any emotion of anger do not say or do anything until you have run over in your mind at least the twenty-four letters of the alphabet plutarch tells of a certain king of thrace he was remarkable for his violent temper and the cruel punishment he inflicted on his servants one of his friends gave him some vases which were fragile but beautifully wrought he gave his friend a handsome present in return and then broke the vases when someone expressed amazement at this latter action he said i did this so that i might not come to inflict my usual cruelties on any one who should break them twenty eight accustom your heart to be docile manageable submissive and ready to yield to all and all lawful things for the love of your most sweet lord so will you become like the dove which receives all the colours which the sun gives it 
for this end put your soul every morning in a posture of humility tranquillity and sweetness and notice from time to time through the day if it has become entangled in affection for anything and if it be not quiet disengaged and tranquil set it at rest st francis de sales this holy prelate was so remarkable for accommodating himself to the disposition of all that alexander the seventh in his eulogy could find no way to describe him better than to say that god had willed to make him all to all among the innumerable proofs of this it will be enough to mention one connected with st jane francis de chantal she was afraid of losing him on account of his excessive application to his work and the little care he took of his health and so she entreated him to take more care of himself equally humble and yielding he answered her i take care of myself as much as possible more because you tell me to than from any inclination i have to this sort of attention i imagine however that it is god's will that i should desire something for your sake and now let him do with me according to his good pleasure on other occasions also he gave her the same assurance st vincent de paul had the habit deeply rooted in his nature of being pliable and ready to follow every one's will in indifferent matters the abbot agatho declared that he had never retired to rest without having first stifled every emotion of anger even against himself and that he did so to fulfil the precept diverte a malo et lac bonum inquire pacem et persecure eum turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it twenty nine a most important means of acquiring interior mildness is to accustom ourselves to perform all our actions and to speak all our words whether important or not quietly and gently multiply these acts as much as you can in a time of tranquillity and so you will accustom your heart to gentleness st francis de sales the saint himself practiced this advice well for he never seemed hurried on any occasion when a person once asked him about this he answered you asked me how i manage not to be hurried and troubled when everyone else is how shall i answer you i did not come into the world to bring perplexities are there not enough in it already thirty to keep your soul continually in a state of gentle calm it is necessary to perform every action as being done in the presence of god and as if he himself had ordained it st francis de sales this is the reason why st john birchman's performed all his actions so regularly and was so even-tempered on all occasions without any alteration or perturbation it was because he constantly enjoyed the divine presence and was accustomed before beginning any action to plan it with god and to remain in his sight while doing it when one of the fathers of the desert was asked how he contrived to lead a life so well ordered and so perfectly even he answered i keep my eyes always upon my guardian angel who stands ever at my side assisting me in every work teaching me in all circumstances what i have to say and do and noting carefully every one of my actions thence arise in me such fear and respect for him as make me ever attentive not to say or to do anything that can displease him thirty one one great means of preserving a constant peace and tranquillity of heart is to receive all things as coming from the hands of god whatever they may be and in whatever way they may come st dorotheus st catherine of siena once asked the lord the way to obtain true peace of heart and he answered it is to believe that all that happens in the world comes by the order and disposal of god and that he never makes anything happen to any one 
that is not best for him. It is told of St. Macarius that he was never seen angry or melancholy, but that he always appeared cheerful and possessed of a heavenly gaiety. The cause of this was that he received all that happened to him as coming from the hands of God. Severus Sulpicius, who spent much time with St. Martin, says the same of him. When the servants of David wished to avenge him upon Simei, No, he said, for it is God who has commanded him to curse me, and who shall ask him why he does it? St. Francis de Sales was once shamefully abused by a certain gentleman in presence of a religious, who was so amazed at his patience that he took the first opportunity of asking him how he could bear so many insults with so much tranquillity. Do you not perceive, he replied, that God has foreseen from all eternity the grace he would bestow on me, that I might bear these reproaches willingly? And would you not have me drink this chalice which has been prepared for me by the hands of so good a father? I never, said an illuminated soul, had fully understood this truth so often repeated again and again, that not a hair falls from our heads without the will of our Heavenly Father. To understand this clearly and fully makes the soul a sharer in celestial joys while still on earth, and the cross which was before a hell becomes for her a paradise. All this is because she tastes the marvelous sweetness that lies hidden for pure souls in a command of God and it is enough that anything should be his command to cause her to find in it peace and tranquillity. We read of the Venerable Mother Seraphina that in any trial or misfortune that happened to her, all she did was to praise and bless God. She often said, God is our Father, and whatever he does, all is for our advantage. If this had not been for our good, it would not have happened. News was once brought to her that a ship loaded with provisions purchased in Salerno for her convent had been wrecked. She immediately took her daughters with her to the chapel, and there she praised and thanked the Lord for this act of his providence, and she said that it was as pleasing to her as if she had done it with her own hands and by her own choice, nay, much more so as it had been done by the hand of God. End of section 10